All right, welcome back to the emergency goalies. Uh, we took a little bit longer this time, some travel stuff, and for Michael's coming back from the trip, but now we're here. We have four games to talk about in this episode, and well, they're kind of all over the place. Uh, the first one was against um, Vegas in Vegas. Game very closely battled, went to overtime, and the Blackhawks won, giving Vegas their first loss of the year. So that was, like, pretty exciting. And then they went to Arizona, and, well, they scored the first goal against Arizona, but then they gave up eight straight, and it it was just a bad all-around effort, just not good. Then they returned home to take on the Panthers, and it was the exact opposite. A very well-played game that they kind of dominated, and they won easily. And then the last game was last night, Sunday, against the Devils team that's very good, but they didn't have Jack Hughes, their best player, but the Devils were very good, and the Blackhawks actually only lost by a 4-2 score. It could have been much worse than that, but uh, Soderbloom had a pretty good game. But anyway, Michael, um, what do you think of this up and down stretch? I think it's basically what we need to get used to for the remainder of the season. Uh, it's something we've seen both last year and this year where the Blackhawks come out with a fairly consistent effort uh, under Richardson. The Coyotes game would be an obvious exception. Uh, that just, there, it was a pretty low energy. Hawks were not winning any puck battles. Um, Coyotes were just all over them all night. But that that's just not something that we, we see that often. For the most part, the Hawks fight on a on a game by game basis but you know it's the talent level disparity and when they're encountering a team like Florida that's more talented and is actually competing they struggle to to keep up with them um or I'm sorry like New Jersey you know even with uh, Hughes you know but on the flip side of that you know, even against a team like Florida, who is better. But, you know, if Florida was kind of uh, at the end of a long road trip, if I remember correctly, I think that was their their last game of a road trip where they had actually been undefeated on their road trip. But, um, you know, I think, I think we've seen plenty of examples where teams kind of get to the, the, the end of that road trip and they're just kind of hoping to get home and they've Panthers probably saw the Blackhawks as, oh, maybe we don't need to give 100% effort and we'll just kind of skate by and get back home and, you know, move on from there. But probably the Blackhawks don't let you get away with that. It probably helped too that the um, Blackhawks had a bad performance against Arizona and they were kind of motivated too to be like. Right. Absolutely. And plus the Blackhawks had the like the entire week off as well. You know, they their last game had been Monday, and then they didn't play again until Saturday against the Panthers. So the Blackhawks had been stewing over that that Coyotes game and had a couple of days of practice to, you know, work on 
the things that they had um, fallen apart with against the Coyotes. And they came out and they pretty much dominated that Florida game. I, I mean, Florida did have a decent amount of puck possession, but the Hawks kept them to the outside for the most part. Um, you know, there were definite stretches where the puck was in the Blackhawks zone. And, you know, the Hawks had some guys that got caught out there for for extended um, shifts in that, but they they never really completely broke down on any shift. They 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 managed to protect the middle of the ice pretty well. And you know, hey, uh that's that's kind of how the Blackhawks have to play um against better teams. They're not they're not gonna be able to control the puck. They need to frustrate the other opponent and capitalize on turnovers and that sort of thing. And that's what they did. And it was just a, a very well executed game. And then, you know, they played the Devils really hard the next night, too. You know, they got within a goal um, in the third period before the Devils, you know, scored a late one uh, to pull away. But, yeah, you know, that's those were two hard-fought games, you know, very good examples of what we saw last year. And, you know, I, I think the encouraging thing with these games was the Blackhawks got back to pretty much full health. They got Taylor Hall back. They got Alex Vlasic back. And I think those two make a pretty big difference in lengthening the lineup. Um, And I'm just hopeful that, you know, they can keep those guys on the ice because the Blackhawks really can't afford to miss, you know, have top six forwards and top four defensemen missing from their lineup because they just don't have the depth to replace those right now. So. Yeah. And I was going to say, and Taylor Hall also played his two best games of the year when he came back. He looked much better than he did when he played the first couple games earlier in the year. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, the other guy that I got to give some credit to is Phil- Philip Kurashev. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's played his best couple of games with the Blackhawks over the last couple of weeks. Uh, he looks a little more physically strong this year. And he's winning a few more puck battles, which um, is something that he struggled with, I felt, the last uh, few years. But uh, just seems to be in in pretty good shape and is making a few more plays. Um, You know, he's getting an opportunity with Bedard and, you know, he's delivering a little bit. The Blackhawks don't really have a good fit with Bedard at the moment. So somebody's got to play there. Kurashev's getting that opportunity and... Hey, you know, as as much as anybody on the roster can perform well there, so far he's doing the job. So, you know, there's going to be a bottom six forward that has to play on the top line for the Blackhawks. And um, at least Kurashev is young enough where maybe you could convince yourself that, you know, he can be a, a a top six player, although I'm not I'm not fully on board with that yet. But but he has looked better than he did last year, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I just I. <clears throat> Um, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised that there's a, you know, a little bit of development there. And the other guy I think that should be called out too, in that same regard is, uh, Taylor Radish who, uh, you know, he's not a great offensive player, despite the fact that he did score 20 goals last year. Um, he, he's, he, he does have a good shot, so he can score some goals, but 
you know, his offensive skill set's fairly limited, but what he's contributed this year is, uh, you know, he's making an impact on the penalty kill, Mm -hmm. which um, really adds to his value because he was previously a bottom six forward that didn't really contribute much on special teams, which limited his value. Whereas now he's a bottom six forward that does contribute um, on both the PK two and, and power play two. Um, even though, uh, again, I'm not, I'm not really um, convinced on his, you know, on a better team, he wouldn't play on power play two, but um, I, the way he's playing so far this year, I, I do think he could play um penalty kill with you know even with a better roster so you know as as a potential piece going forward that makes him a little more valuable and or ups his potential trade value if they decide to go that route instead too so um i think that makes him a far more interesting player to watch uh, as the, as the year progresses yep and uh, you know obviously that's happened like in between our episodes with Alex Blasic, where it was, I would say, a pretty sketchy hit by the um, by the Vegas Golden Knights that gave him a concussion, kind of a blindside hit. But he missed two games, but now he's back. And obviously, I don't think that that they gave up eight goals to the Coyotes because he wasn't there. But him not being in the lineup for that game probably didn't help. Yeah, he certainly affects the lineup um like i said with him and hall coming back it 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 does have a positive influence on the on the the blackhawks performance again the 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 seven to one game you know that was that was a full team collapse um one guy wasn't going to make a difference there but i do think it helped in evening the playing field a little bit against florida and well i guess he wasn't in the florida game but um you know, they, they, they held up well against the devils and yeah, I mean, Vlasic just gives them as close to a viable top four defenseman as they have right now outside of Seth Jones. Um, I, I, Murphy hasn't really delivered, um, the way he did two years ago. I, 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 I'm seeing the same types of performances from him this year as we did last year where, uh, to me, it's a little bit of a of a disappointment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for the Blackhawks to improve their defensive standing this year, they really needed either Vlasic or Kaiser to step up, and I think both of them have played pretty well. But Vlasic has probably been a little bit ahead of Kaiser at this point. So, yeah, yeah just getting him back in the lineup makes you know gives them a a, a little bit of credibility on the back end. So I'm very happy to see him back and they have a few more days. So hopefully he can kind of get a little more practice and and, uh, get, get a, you know, a a comfort level reestablished with Jones and hopefully they can be a solid pairing for the rest of the season. Yep. Now, obviously it seems kind of silly that we we haven't talked about, I think we talk about Bedard a lot, but uh, we haven't really talked about him this one yet, but he scored uh, the first three games of this set. He scored in every game. He didn't score the last game, but yeah, he's been pretty good. Like he buries a lot of the chances. It's just so far so good. 
yeah, can't can't really complain there. Um, you know, it's it's going pretty well. So, uh, you know, I think a lot of the the new additions have made a positive impact over the guys that they have been, you know, over the guys that they replaced. You know, there was a lot of AHL caliber talent on the Blackhawks last year. You know, outside of probably Zaitsev, I, I I wouldn't really call anybody that's left on the Blackhawks roster an AHL caliber players so um yeah i think i think all of the new additions have helped give some credibility to every line throughout the lineup and every defensive pairing so it's uh yeah you know it's it's improvements by small margins but it's improvement nonetheless yeah and you know i and i think the proof is in you know, the fact that, yeah, the Blackhawks record isn't great, but they've had just uh, and continue to have just a brutal schedule and they've still managed to beat some pretty good teams. And, you know, you look at them in comparison to the San Jose Sharks, where they were relatively on the same level. Uh, You know, those two orgs were basically in the same spot last year. The Blackhawks have made a slight improvement, whereas the Sharks have just gone full. I mean, they're like, oh, 10 and one i think they had, they still uh, haven't won a game so i'm gonna talk about the, um i'm gonna do a little bit later um talk about the sharks but it's just like i i don't think i've ever seen a team this like stripped of talent even like back when we were kids when they had like the panthers and the the senators it was really like this is they bought they lost a pair of games they were outscored 20 to 3 in two games in a row that's yeah i mean honestly i think the only the only teams in the past that or or at least in my lifetime that that are could even be considered as bad are the first year of both the, the senators and the sharks those two franchises were disastrously bad that and that was back when you know the expansion drafts were other than goalies, they provided their those those rosters with almost no talent whatsoever, and those two franchises really struggled out of the gate. Um, I want to say the, the the first year of the Sharks still has the worst record in NHL history, or at least they did um, for a long time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think this year Sharks is probably going to threaten <laughs> that uh, level of utility. So now, and, who, was the, who was the number one pick that they would be going for this year? Uh, Macklin uh, Celebrini, uh, Celebrini um, is a pretty good player. Uh, I, I'd probably consider him on the level of like Fantilli and Carlson from last year. Um, he's not at Bedard level, but he's, he's a pretty good player. So um, I don't think it's really that they are targeting a specific player i think they just realized that hey we're a long way from competing and stripping down to the bare bones and getting multiple top five picks is maybe the 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 best way to go but yeah they're they're years away whereas you know hopefully with the blackhawks it's maybe two more years of struggle like this that they're hopefully going in the right direction it seems like right Right. You know, and 
I, I think you see that with a lot of the teams that were bad from last year. Uh, the Blackhawks are slightly better, both uh, Columbus and um, Anaheim, who uh, Anaheim had one of the worst defensive cores I've ever seen last year. They were just futile. Yes. Um, and they made a couple of moves, and that was kind of all it took to kind of get them to a level of competency that their fairly talented young forward group can can make some moves so far. And I think they're riding like a four-game win streak. Yeah. Uh, Columbus last year it was mostly injury-related on their back end and goaltending um, and, you know, getting Wierenski back. And then uh, they, they brought in a couple of big, bigger name defensemen this year as well. So they've shored that up and, you know, they're I don't know maybe you not wanna... a playoff team, but they're competent again. Yeah, I don't know if you want to, like, how much you would say Vancouver was bad last year, but they they're playing much better than yeah. Vancouver is another good example of that. It's a, again, they kind of fixed their back end a little bit, and yeah, you know they're they're back to a level of competence and maybe even you know slightly above average as far as the the Western Conference goes. And I think it's reflected also in the way that. Um, uh, the season has gone for uh, my adopted second team, the, the the Kraken, who were kind of a surprise playoff team for a lot of people last year. Um, and I think partially that was due to being in the worst division in hockey. They got to take advantage of that awful Anaheim team and that awful San Jose team and that awful Vancouver team. Um, this year, both Vancouver and Anaheim have improved probably to about the same level as the Kraken. And so far, both of those teams are outperforming the Kraken. Yeah. So, you know, I think, I think that division has evened out a little bit um, probably to a similar level as the, the central division. Um, I'm going to ask you too, because we were talking about some teams that overperformed, but there's a couple teams so far that have gotten off to pretty slow starts. Um, The Edmonton Oilers in Toronto, that we're supposed to be pretty good, and they've both been, especially Edmonton, has just been really fighting it this year. But yeah, I mean, it it's it's kind of the same issue we've discussed with those other teams. Their defense is bad, and when your defense is bad, it almost doesn't matter how good your offense is. And you know that was the thing that Edmonton had kind of made some strides with over the last few years, and. You know, it helped them make some moves in the playoffs a couple of times where they advanced and, you know, made it to the the conference finals one year, that sort of thing. But um, all of those games seem to have reversed course this year. And for whatever reason, their defense has just completely fallen apart. And they're searching for answers. And uh, it's going to be hard for them to cl- climb out of that until – they figure out how to play some defense. Uh, Toronto, I haven't really paid much attention with Toronto this year. Um, I do know I was shocked in the offseason when they picked up uh, Klingberg, who was a huge part of stated awful defensive core in Anaheim last year, which was one of the worst I've ever seen. And 
I guess Toronto thought he still had something left, but he's just as bad this year as he was last year. Um, and so I think that's really been part of what's dinged them a little bit, but I've only watched like maybe one or two Toronto games. So I, I can't really speak too much on them, but I, I have a little more confidence that Toronto's going to figure it out uh, in comparison to Edmonton. Yeah. Um, Cause I think again, Edmonton's probably getting bit by the fact that some of the teams that they were beating up on in their division last year are slightly better than they were last year. And so they're not just able to run and gun, um, you know, through bad defensive teams like Anaheim and Vancouver were last year. They, they actually have to compete and play defense against those teams. Um, and it's maybe been a, an adjustment that they didn't expect to have to make. Yeah. And, you know, and it, it, for Toronto, it might just simply be uh, somebody's got to lose in that Eastern Conference. It, that that conference is so deep. Yeah. It's that so if well. there's, if one team rises, somebody has to fall. And it's not necessarily because they're bad. It's just they're not quite as good as some of the other teams. So, you know, there's probably, you know, 10 or 11 playoff caliber teams in the East, and a couple of them aren't going to make it. So maybe it's going to be Toronto this year. I don't know. Could be. So I guess now we'll look ahead to the week ahead, and it's a trip to Florida. For it just Panthers. doesn't get any easier, does it? I mean, we got to take on the freaking Lightning and then the Panthers again. Uh, it's it's really pretty crazy the way this this schedule has lined up for the Blackhawks through the first month of the season it's there's just been so few let-ups you know when do we get to play you know the sharks san jose and yeah you know those type of teams we just we we haven't had that opportunity yet so it's i'm fully expecting just more up and down you know the only saving grace i guess this week and next week really is they got so many days off i don't i don't understand the schedule where it's it's a weird schedule this is like the second or third week in a row where we're only playing two games. It's to, they've, they've had so, like, so yeah, many like, days off. It's February and March. There's going to be like back to back after back to back. Yeah, I don't know. But maybe the only saving grace in that second half of the season is going to be at, at, at some point we got to play the bad teams. Yeah. So maybe that all happens in the second half and that'll kind of even out some of the effects of you know, uh, I'm assuming the Blackhawks will trade away a couple of guys at the deadline. So they're, you know, their roster is going to get worse, but maybe their competition is going to get worse too. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's going to be interesting, but yeah, I mean, this week, uh, you know, <laughs> it's just two games. It's just Tampa and Florida. And, you know, assuming we record early again next week, that's, that's all we're going to have to talk about. Yep. So I guess the- I guess, we, as I said, it was kind of interesting to have a little bit of a break and have more games to talk about this week because we've been only talking about usually two games an episode. So, but yeah, I guess we probably should bring up real quick, um, you know, that the the second player uh, okay, from yeah. the 2010 team, well, you know, another one of the black aces, did come forward. Um, this is a player that we knew a little bit about from the original um they were mentioned yeah in the report they were mentioned in the report 
Um, but apparently that that player is in a, a good enough space mentally and um, you know ready to confront it a little bit more. So they they have brought a lawsuit. Mm -hmm. uh, we still don't know who the player is or if we ever will know who the player is. But yeah. you know there are some you know rough accusations in that in in the lawsuit from what I've seen, but. Yes, very you know, certainly not a surprise considering what we've what we've already previously known. So, you know, that's that's all going to come back up again, and will likely continue throughout the season. Yeah, and he will. I'm sure the team will settle just like they did. I would play. certainly hope so. I, I, you know, at this point, I hope they wouldn't force another player yeah. to, you know, drag it out through the courts and that. I. Um, yeah. You know, this the the whole situation did not play out well for the Blackhawks last time, and I'm sure they don't want to go through that again. No. Uh, so I think it just behooves everyone um, to settle the suit, and you know, hopefully we can protect the players' privacy too, because yeah. I uh, I have no desire to know who who that other player is. And yeah, I just, it's, it's just, know, like I just hope for the best for them. Just like with Kyle Beach. Of they want to come out and tell their story. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, if, if they want to, great. But, you know, as of now, they haven't come out. And, you know, if that's the route they want to take, uh, I fully support them in that. So. And you, you just hope that the the current situation, they're much more, you know, aware of stuff and not letting anything like this ever happen again. That's You got to hope. Yeah, I mean, you, you obviously got to hope for that. Um you know, I'm I'm sure the Blackhawks have implemented some changes, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's like thorough that we, enough, or that there won't be lapses in judgment. We've often said hockey culture in general needs to change. Yeah, it's it, you know, I, I would like to think that this is a shocking enough uh, incident uh, that the Blackhawks culture has changed for the better and for good going forward but you know <laughs> it, it it's hard to have much faith in any hockey team uh, no. given like you said the, the the culture that continues to um go on throughout hockey and yeah, you know, frankly just, just frankly, gotta hope for the best and keep pressure on them you know we gotta we gotta bring this stuff up when it happens yeah. and so but it's hard to trust frankly any pro sports or yeah well it, it's hard to trust any business because yeah these businesses have their own best interests at heart it's not they're not designed to cater to their employees best interests so yeah. there's always going to be doubt as to whether you know the, the businesses are, are going to protect themselves, not 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 individual people. Yep, but we're always going to be, whenever this stuff happens, we will tell you about it. We're not yeah. Gonna... yeah, I just, I, I think it's important to talk about, you know, it's, it's obviously not something that we're going to have any insider information on, but it's, it's important to keep in the public sphere. Yep. All right, and I guess on that note, we'll wrap up the episode uh michael you're on twitter mj underscore ernst and i'm sth85 and yeah you can get the podcast in the apple podcast app spotify stitcher and yeah we'll be back with another 
couple games, and you know, you never know the Blackhawks. They've been surprising in some of these games, and other games haven't gone well, but we'll see what we get this week.